Hello, welcome to the Deep Bible Studies, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I am your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we will be going through John 8, 12 through 20, part 2. It is titled, I am the light of the world. Verse 12 says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So last time we talked about what Jesus meant at the end of the phrase where he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So now what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the light of the world? Well, there is Old Testament rooting in the statement, which is no coincidence, honestly, but specifically the picture of the Israelites being led by the pillar of fire at the night is a beautifully symbolic depiction of Christ and how he leads his people, who is before them, after them, and with them. In Exodus 14, 19 through 25, it says, Then the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea a dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went in into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in and after them into the midst of the sea all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptians and forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So we see in many of the Psalms too, the constant metaphor of God being the light of his people. For example, Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life, whom shall I be afraid? We see how God will reign once and for all as the light of the world, where there will be no more sun or moon because his glory will shine brighter than any star. Therefore, there will be no need for another light source. We see this in Revelation 21, 24 through 25, where it says, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Zechariah 14, 5-7 says, And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light or cold or frost. There shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. What a beautiful image and even greater reality for those who have repented and trusted in the light of the world himself. Light exposes, it directs, and illuminates. Jesus is the light of the world that not only radiates his abundant goodness, but exposes the darkness, extinguishes the darkness, and illuminates the paths of his people, guiding them. I love what Charles Spurgeon once preached 
about how Jesus being the light of the world was seen in every area of his life as the incarnated son of God. It says, quote, that Jesus is the light of the world is to be seen in all parts of his blessed history. Look at him in his cradle. To the eye of faith, what radiance emanates from the newborn baby. Behold the mystery of the incarnation. God is manifest in our nature. He dwells among us. The light is clear and dazzling. He shone in his growing up years as his increasing wisdom kept the pace with his increasing stature. His baptism shows a wonderful light and consecration of God and the dire temptations that quickly followed wherein he defeated the tempter have thrown a brilliant light on the path that of all Christians. As a preacher, he was luminous. He expounded the spirituality of the law of God. Light penetrated the precepts through and through as he made the essence of purity apparent. His light cleared the law of the myths and fogs that religious teachers had gathered around it. He shed light too in the covenant of grace. He promulgated the gospel of peace among the people. He told of God the Father, willing to receive his prodigal children back again to his heart. His parables threw wondrous light in the kingdom of heaven. His counsels and his cautions brought the final destinies of the righteous and the wicked into full view. Eternity dawned in his bearers while he spoke. His own life exhibited the power of love, the value of sympathy, and the virtue of forgiving injuries. His death gave yet more palpable evidence of his unfaltering submission to the will of the Father and unflinching self-sacrifice for the welfare of people. Y'all, this is the breathtaking summation of how in everything Jesus was and continues to be the light of the world and what that looked like and continues to look like. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself, your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. Since the Jews continue to test Jesus in saying that his testimony is unreliable and false, he gives them reasons to understand that his testimony is valid. In this verse, he is clear as to his possessions of the characteristics that only God can possess, his omniscience and sovereignty of who he is, God the Son, and where he would be going, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension. Verse 15 says, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. So Jesus obviously judges, but the point he is making here is that his judgment is righteous, not based on superficiality and not in ignorance to the greater truth of God's mercy and redemptive plan fulfilled by him. Verse 16 says, yet even if I do judge, this is where we see it, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. The other reason why Jesus' testimony is true is because his will is in submission to the Father's will. The Godhead, the Trinity, is in perfect union, three in one, meaning that God cannot lie, for it would be against his own will, meaning that Jesus cannot lie. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? That is from Numbers 23, 19. The next couple of verses say, In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. 
I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus points out their humanity and how everything is seen on a merely physical lens. They did not want the reality of Jesus being the Messiah. So, because they did not want the Son, they would not want the Father. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's from John 14, 6-7. So we are ending with verse 20 that says, These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram at Deep Bible Studies and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.